Welcome to Grace Messianic's weekly podcast. My name is Aaron Binge, and I am going to be teaching on what I like to call learning the Hebrew roots of our Christian faith. Grace Messianic is located halfway between Crawfordsville and Waynetown on State Road 136. We believe that as believers in Jesus, whom you'll hear me refer to as Yeshua sometimes, we have an obligation to be obedient to God's instruction. In Hebrew, that word for instruction is Torah. What believer in his or her right mind would not want to be obedient to our Heavenly Father's instruction? Of course we all want that. Our goal at Grace Messianic is to get to know the Hebrew roots of our Christian faith because the truth of the matter is our faith is rooted in Israel. Our Messiah is an Israeli Jew. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is going to come back one day and rule and reign from the throne of David from Jerusalem. So come with us each week as we go through God's Word, as we learn the history and we learn the context from which it was written. I want to let it be known that we fully believe that we are saved by grace through faith and not of works lest we should boast. We believe the words of Paul when Paul says, If you so much as confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. We believe that there's no other name under heaven by which man is saved but the name of Jesus. We believe that there is not one law we can perform that will get us saved. We believe that we are no more saved than the next Christian. But we also believe that because we are saved, we want to be obedient to our Father's teaching. And that's what this is all about, is learning our Father's teaching, which is His Torah. So we ask that you come with us as we graciously, cautiously, and lovingly walk that path. Like Jeremiah said, that you dig up those ancient paths and walk on them. We pray that you would come with us. And we ask, Father, in your name, in the name of your Son, Jesus, that you would bless this teaching and that you'd bless this ministry, bless this podcast as we set out to learn the Hebrew roots of our Christian faith. We ask that you'd be in it, Father, because if you're not in it, if your spirit isn't leading it, Lord, we don't want to have any part of it. So we just hand it over to you and we ask it all in the mighty name of our salvation, Yeshua, Jesus. Amen. You guys know what letter we're on? Lamed. This is kind of my favorite one. It's the weirdest looking one. It's the easiest one to recognize. Uh, L-A-M-E-D. Does it? It's the, uh, okay. We're not going to go through the first seven again for a while. Um, but these seven here, Remember, they're representing our spiritual walk, right? According to our study, anyway. You know what this one is? Can you guys read that? Chet. Yeah. Chet. <laughs> As I erase it. Chet. Tate. Actually, that's hate. Tate. Yod. Last week's was cough. Cough went from... We went from 10 on Yod, numerically, to 20 on Kaf. Lamed goes to 30. The next letter after that's Mem, and then the one after that's Nun. That's, that, that finishes up our seven letters. Um, so we're going to talk about the properties or the, the, uh, the oddities, if you will, about Lamed. So Lamed is the tallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet, okay? All the other letters are kind of supposed to be suspended on a line almost. So there, there's this invisible line here. Lamed peaks above the, that line. Um, it's the tallest of all of them. And it's right in the heart of the alphabet. There's 22 letters. This is number 12. So it's right in the heart. Lamed, okay. Listen to this. This letter, before we get to that, what, as far as our spiritual walk is concerned, what did hate represent? Do you remember? It's number eight. 
new beginnings. That's the new believer walking with new life dwelling in him. Chaim. Uh, Tate. What's Tate represent? Remember? Death to self represents the serpent. Um, it's a Zayin and a Vav bowing down in submission to the one with the sword. What about Yod? The hand of God reaching down into our lives, right? What about this one here? Last week's cough. Palm, the work of our hands. The work of our hands. Remember, we noticed some odd things about that. If it also means covering. It's the root word for covering, like in uh, kippa or kippur. So if you turn it, if you turn cough from that way to this way, you get a kippa, and it means spoon or palm, which is that same letter turned this way, turned upside down to make a U. Spoon. It means hand. When it says by the work of your hands in Torah, uh, usually it's saying by the work of your palms. Right? So it's, a, it's an idiom for the work of your hands. Now, in the scrolls, if this is our cough right here, in the Torah scrolls, you know how they, the words look a little different, the letters do. And remember how the hate and the tate were, tate's a zayin with a vav, literally a zayin with a vav right next to it, bound down to it. And I believe this one was two zayins or two vavs, I can't remember. But uh, remember Aleph. Aleph is a vav with, with uh, two yods. Okay. Well, in the Torah scrolls, this kaf right here, the lamed is a kaf with a vav sticking right out the top of it. Okay. And that vav, do you remember it represented a man? And it's number six, means and. But in this case, it's not, it doesn't look exactly like a vav, which looks like this here. It looks, the sages say it's like a flame on top of, it's like a flame on top of our works. Remember he said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Who lights a lamp and puts it under a bowl, right? But our works, our good deeds are what shine that light. So our good deeds, which is cough, give a platform for that light to shine on. Isn't that cool? Um, and it's got the numerical value of 30. Um, the sages say that this word represents the melach ha-melachim. Can you guys guess what that means? If, now, if you think about it, melach's king. Remember what ha means? Remember what, if you put im at the end of the Hebrew word, what's it do to it? Makes it plural. What? The king of kings. Thank you. Melech HaMelachim. They call this letter Melech HaMelachim. The king of kings. It's, it stands high above the rest and towers over them. And it looks over like a lighthouse, kind of looking out over all the other letters. And in, in the sense of this being these seven letters being our spiritual walk, of course he's right there with us overlooking what we're doing, right? But not just that. You guys know how you spell melach. Take a guess at it. No, I mean in Hebrew. In, yeah. It's three letters. You're going to start with mem. Mem, lamed, kaf. That's how you spell king. That's one of the reasons they say that's the king of kings. It's right in the midst of the word king. Um, Chaf, there's other, there's other things that go with that. Um, uh, let me see. In Deuteronomy 4, verse 1, it says, uh, And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you. That word teaching. Lamed. Lamed, the root. The, Lamed means to teach, Right? The root of it means to learn. Um, I might have that backwards. Lamed means, yeah. The root of the word for Lamed is to teach, right? 
or to learn. It's like the word Talmud, 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 Lamed. Lamed is right in the, in the heart of us, the root of Talmud. Um, the original meaning of Lamed probably meant to prick or to sting or to incite or to goad, like a hook, right? That would go to, go to an ox as a shepherd might prod a cattle to perform a particular action, okay? Um, that's from Hebrew for Christians. Okay, listen to this. Since Lamed towers over the other letters... From its central position, remember it's right in the middle, it's number 12. Um, it's number 12, and if it's the king of kings, he had 12 disciples, right? And he was 30 when he started his ministry. It's numerical value 30. That's the numerical value. It's number 12 in order. Right. It's the 12th, yeah. And number 30 numerically. Number 30 numerically. And that's, there's so much ado about the number, the number values, the numerical values. Uh, and it gets, it gets way, way out there. So I don't, I don't really go too deep into any of that. And that's why I haven't done that. But this, new, this number is the same as that number. So that means these two are related somehow. And they may be, but I just haven't studied I haven't studied enough to know any of it. Of it. 22. The five of them are, have, have alternate spellings. Remember, the, the, uh, remember what the cough looks like at, at the end of a word? It looks like a huge door. Dalit. It's longer than, like, here's a regular cough. It looks like a Dalit with a long tail on it. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Lamed means to learn. And that word uh, in Deuteronomy 4, and now Israel, hear, O Israel, or, and now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you. The root word Lamed is the. Uh, I already said that, didn't I? Um, this is where I was going to read. The Melech HaMelechim. Listen to this. this. The idea of this being the king of kings, the Melech HaMelechim, is the. It's. It's supported by the idea that the letter that stands for Kisi HaKavod, which is the throne of glory, and the following letter stands for Malchut. You know, in the prayers you say, Malchuto Le'alam Vayed. Malchut means kingdom. So this is this letter right here, Kaf, the rabbis would say, stands for the throne of glory, and that Mem would stand for Malchut, the kingdom. So the king of kings his throne of glory, and his kingdom. And those three letters mean king. Isn't that cool? It's extremely interesting. Okay, Lamed and the heart of knowledge. We talked about Rabbi Akiva a long time ago. You remember that? It's been probably over a year ago. We talked about Rabbi Akiva, and we talked about Maimonides and... Uh, the Bel Shem Tov. Do you guys remember that at all? Well, that Rabbi Akiva, he, he said that the spelling of the word Lamed, which is Lamed, right? I'll clean this up a little bit. What do you think the next letter is in Lamed? Lamed? It's mim. Lamed and then a dalit. Okay. That's how you spell the word lamed, which means teach. The sages also point to the three central letters can spell the word melech. Uh, where was I at here? He said that you can use this as an acronym. Now, we, okay, the, the rabbis... There, all over Hebrew, there's acronyms. There's acronyms everywhere. There's acrostics everywhere. And there's Psalm 119, what we're studying is, is like that. It's an acrostic sort of with the, each eight verses starting with a different letter in the Hebrew alphabet and so on. Well, he's saying you can take this because this word means to teach or to learn. Lev mivin da'at, meaning the heart that understands knowledge. 
Lev me'in da'at. And he's saying that you can use that as an acronym for the heart that understands knowledge. Do you remember if we go back and we talked about, I think it was the Vav Vav. And we talked about how it means it's used in the place that inquiring he inquired. Do you remember that? He wants us. Our God is easy to find. But like a dad playing hide and seek with his three-year-old, he wants us to keep looking for him. Right? Our goal is to catch him. It's a paradox. Seek him and you'll find him. And then you spend the rest of your life seeking him. Right? It's a paradox. The more you dig, the more you find. The more you dig, the more you find. But we're continuing to keep looking. So learning, it makes sense that the, the word for teach or learn is joined to the king of kings. We're always learning. We're never going to exhaust our resources, right? Um, if you put Lamed, the letter, before a word, remember how certain letters change what they mean. The Ha, the uh, ha Mashiach means the Messiah, right? Or at the end of the, the uh, word, it makes it f- uh, produce fruit, like in Sarah. Um, Lamed, remember the word Chaim? Remember the song from Fiddler on the Roof? To life, to life. Lachaim. Chaim is life. That means two or four. To life. Lachaim. So if you're going to spell it in English, it would look like this. It'd be a capital L with an apostrophe. C H. Lachaim. That's to life. And then in the Hebrew, it would be this. See, to life, it uh, it denotes what it's for or to that thing, to that specific thing. So melach means king, but la melach means to a king. Right? Chaim means life, but la chaim means to life. Right? You guys with me so far? Okay, our king is at the heart. Of the alphabet, okay? The first letter of Torah is what? Of Torah. Barashit. Bet. Well, you don't... Take a guess at what the last letter is. (laughs) The first letter is Bet. Barashit. And the last letter is Lamed. Now... Our king is at the heart of the alphabet, right? Those two letters, the first letter and the last letter of Torah, if you flip those dudes around, guess what that spells? It'd be this right here. It spells Lev, which is heart. Our king, Lev, Leb, Lev, which means heart. The first and last letter of Torah put together... And flip-flopped spells heart. Our king is at the heart of the alphabet. And of course, he's at the king, of, or at the heart of Torah. What Rodney just got done reading, he is in every verse. If you look for him, he was, doing, he was reading that commentary from First Fruits of Zion. And I don't remember which Torah club it is, but it talks. it's finding Messiah in the Torah. And they go through verse after verse after verse after verse and point out just hundreds and hundreds of ways that it all points back to our Messiah. So, because he's at the heart of it, right? It's, remember it says the volume of the book is written about him. It's written about him. It is a matter of the heart. I was having a discussion with an old friend this morning about this being a matter of the heart. And it is a matter of the heart. He looks at our heart. Um, and he wants an obedient heart. Sure. We've we've noticed anomalies in specific letters as we've gone. There's a there was a big uh, there's a small hey uh, there's a a big uh, bet 
Remember these things? A big vav. There's a broken vav. Um, there's a in in the case of the lamed. Um, in Genesis 27:30, somebody want to pick that up real quick. In Genesis 27:30, in the uh, scrolls, it looks different than all the other lameds. Remember, it says a kaf. And at the top of it, it's got this strange looking, like a hook on the, on the end of it, like that. That's probably a little too pronounced, I guess. But it looks kind of like that right there. It's got a little tag there and another line. Now, first off, when you hear these arguments, usually if you're arguing with an atheist or a non-believer about the Scripture, one of the things they'll say is that, well, it's been passed down for thousands of years, it's been translated, it's, been, it's like playing telephone. If you play telephone, how messed up is the message at the end of the game? That An old wise pastor once told me the Hebrew word for that. And it is baloney. That's baloney. That is bull. And the reason I say that's bull is because no game of telephone required the person passing on the information to, to scrap it if they messed one letter up. No version of telephone had the passer on of the information change their clothes and go through a mikvah, a bath, a cleansing... Every time they wrote the word yod heh nobody did that in telephone. Nobody, nobody playing telephone would spend their entire life sometimes writing down just one or maybe a couple copies of the message being, being transmitted. You get where I'm going with that? And over the thousands of Torah scrolls throughout the planet, they all have these, these idiosyncrasies, these... Uh, these little oddities, almost deformities, but they're not. And each one, again, I always use Beth Israel and Lafayette. If you go there, or if you go to, to, to the synagogue in, in, in Jordan, if there is any left, uh, when you get to Genesis chapter 27, verse 30, you're going to see that. And it's going to have that tiny hook on there, Right? So the sages know that it's the inspired Word of God. They know that it was breathed from our Creator, the King of the Universe. So they know, just like Yeshua, just like our Master said, that every jot and every tittle right, shall by no means pass away till heaven and earth pass away. Till all is fulfilled. They, they know that each and every little tick mark is given by inspiration of God Almighty. So they've got stories for all those things. And in this case, does anybody have that verse pulled up? Huh? Read that for us. Keep going. Read the rest of that. Okay. So, the word for finished, at the beginning of what she just read, when it said, now it happened, as soon as Isaac had Finished blessing Jacob. That word finished is kilah, which is, it's a kaf. It's a kaf, which is this letter. Interesting. It's kind of a crummy looking kaf. Kaf. Lamed. And I just lost my place. And a hay. Right? That was hay. I believe that's hay. So that in that word, in Kilah, the Lamed has that hook on it. Okay? Listen to this. A crownlet, it's a crownlet that appears to be reaching over and blessing the hay. That's what the sages say. Right? Now check this out. 
No. Yeah. 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 Finished. When finished blessing Jacob, which in, in Hebrew is kilah. See the kaf, lamed, hey, kilah. Um, listen to this. The, so it's like the lamed is, is reaching over and blessing. They, the sages say that it's reaching over and blessing the hey. Just like the verse, listen to this. One, just like in this verse, one day our lives will be over and the king of kings will reach over and bless the one who has run his, the course in faith, right? Who's been a light through their good deeds. It's like a picture of what he's going to do. The, remember, he's the king of kings. Remember, that's the light on top of all the good deeds. Reaching over and blessing the one that's indwelt with the hand of God. Right? Remember that? The upside down yod? That's kilah. Yeah. The word finished. Yeah. Well, that's a cough and that's lamed. In the scroll, the lamed is spelled just like a cough with that thing on top of it. It is finished. In Deuteronomy 29:28, we find an oversized lamed, right? And it's in whatever Torah scroll you're looking at, in my art scroll, Tanakh, it'll be oversized in there. Uh, Deuteronomy 29:28 says, "And the Lord uprooted them from their land in anger and wrath and great indignation and thrust them into another land as it is this day." That the word for and thrust them is viash lachem. Lechem in Hebrew, the lamed and lechem and lachem is oversized, and it's a picture of the King of Kings authoritatively thrusting them out. Right? There's going to come a time that their disobedience, the obedience, is going to drive him to removing them from the land, dispersing them um, because of disobedience. Okay. Anybody ever find that verse? What's he say? Pronounce that. <laughs> Does it? Well, as we finish this one up, you guys remember what the Hebrew word for disciple is? Pardon? The word for disciple is Talmudin. Talmudin, the plural, remember uh, the Medin in and Tamid uh, makes it plural, meaning disciples. Listen to the definition of a disciple. In its truest sense, it's those who leave their family to study or follow the ways of their teacher, which is called a rabbi. They study not only to learn what their teacher knows, but become the type of man that their teacher is. Did you guys catch that? They don't, they don't just... They don't just set out to learn. When Jesus said, come and follow me, they weren't those people that, those 12 men didn't just set out to learn his ways and teach like he taught. They set out to become that same type of man that he is. Okay? So, back to the conversation I was having with, with the old friend this morning. The, uh, I don't think, I think that the church has as a whole, has uh, almost created a new definition for what disciple is. We know that this, there's all sorts of classes on discipleship. You can go to the Christian bookstore and buy a hundred books on it, how to be a disciple. But in its truest sense, it meant to walk out the commandments the way their rabbi walked out their commandments. Right, if he had a certain... Thing that he did before he ate a meal, they did that certain thing before he ate, they ate the meal. If, if he had a certain way of praying before a meal or after a meal, they did the same, right? They were to become a picture of their master. Our goal is to become a picture of our master. You guys know where the first, where believers were first called Christians? It's in the book of Acts. Do you remember where the place was? You remember where the town was? What is it called? 
It's right on the tip of your tongue. You almost said it. <laughs> Antioch. It's an Antioch. Now, check this out. Whose decision was it to call them Christians? It was the people in Antioch. It was the people around them. And what Christian means is little Messiah. Okay? So the Christians didn't choose to be called little Messiahs. Their lives, man, let this soak into your brain and in your heart. Their lives so emulated our Messiah that they were called little Messiahs. If I'm going to sit down to dinner and eat a bacon, lettuce, tomato sandwich, am I emulating my Messiah? No. If it's turkey bacon, perhaps. To me, where, <laughs> where is your heart? To me, that's like near beard. I'm just saying. Now, you see what I'm saying? They were so much like Yeshua, like the Messiah, that they were, they were called by people around them little messiahs. Get a grip on that. Because, huh? <laughs> Yeah, hey, I think we're going to be called Christians. Let's start a whole new religion. We're Christians now. It's the non-believers. And that's what Christians have taken. That's what I'm saying. They've taken their own definition of discipleship and Christianity. And we've made it into, quote unquote, a new religion. There's three main religions that use the Old Testament. Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. The people who were called little messiahs were never thought of as a new religion. Over and over again, and it's, it's in the scriptures too, they're called a sect of Judaism. Called the way. Okay, it was called the way, and they were a sect of Judaism. They were not a new religion. So if you, the next time you hear somebody say that, the church started in Acts chapter 2. Bull. It did not start in Acts chapter 2. It didn't. The ecclesia was the called out ones. That started with Abraham. Abraham, I'm calling you out from among your people. That makes him the church. And you know what? I think you're right. That's when that kind of started. It started, it started when Peter and Paul were still walking the planet. Man, they were already, Peter says, man, I'm telling you guys, Peter, who's a learned scholar in Torah, born and raised, this guy was, he knew the Torah verbatim by the age of eight or nine years old, talking about a man who ends up being the emissary to the Jews, right? You're talking about a guy who is the first one God says, hey, by the way, Gentiles, they're allowed in this mess. Here's a guy who goes on to, to be a teacher of the Jews, to the Jews of, of Yeshua and who he is and his, and his ministry and how we're to walk now as believers in him. And he says, by the way, man, that Paul's hard to understand. And wicked men use his words and they twist them to their own destruction. And he says, be careful when you're reading him because it's difficult. And here we are. 2,000 years later, and all we can say is, haven't you read Galatians? Haven't you read Colossians 2? Don't you realize you're saved by grace, not works? Why are you, why are you working on a works-based salvation? And we think we know what he's talking about. And we, what, man, what's the Proverbs say about pride? Comes before a fall, does it not? He, man... All we have to do is humble ourselves and go back and view the Torah the way the writer of Psalm 119 views the Torah, and it will change our whole lives. All of a sudden, that hand, remember the big yod we talked about a couple weeks ago? We'll see that. We have a choice to see his hand work mightily in our lives or to see it work in a tiny, minuscule way. And that choice is up to us. Salvation is a free gift. 
All those who call upon his name will be saved. That's a promise. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you'll be saved. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He didn't come to condemn, right? But James says that faith without works is dead. It's useless. There's a balance. Let's separate the two. Salvation is the free gift. We all agree on that. I can't do anything to be more saved than I am today. But I have a choice to become a little Messiah. Somebody that people are going to say, what? Do you know why most of the church comes against Messianic people right now? Because we do the things Jesus did. Not our version of what he did, but we want to eat like he did. Not that we're better than, the, than them or anything like that. But because I want to eat like he ate. I want to rest on the day he rested on. And I want to speak like he spoke and say the blessings and the brukatas like we can assume he did safely. That's, why, that's where the condemnation comes from. I got news for all of us. That's what a little Messiah is. It's a picture of the big Messiah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> they are wrong. <laughs> they say, you know, my Bible, I've got... Grandma Leslie bought me a Bible when I was... 14 or 15 years old, and I still have it at home, and I wore it out. When I first got born again, she gave it to me again as a gift. You remember that? And after all those years, I'm like, ooh, I can use this now. And so I, I studied it until it was falling apart. So Noah, a couple years ago, found the exact same Bible in a different cover. So I put that one in a special place, and now I, have this, I know where everything is in it. And mine, when it comes to the laws about the Sabbath, I think it's in, in Leviticus 19, it says, Moral, ceremonial, and civil laws. And it's not in the scripture. It's what some guy put there. It's my favorite version of the Bible ever. But there's some things put in there that are not in the scripture. God never makes a distinction between ceremonial, civil, and moral. In fact, he says that the law is all given. He's love, right? He gives those laws, those commandments to us. The word Torah means instruction. As a loving father, so the case can be made that they're all moral laws then. Right? They're all moral laws. He says in 1 John, John says, you don't know how to love your brother unless you keep the commandments and love God. Which makes sense. If I love Dave, I'm not going to steal his car, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They had a brand new nature. That's a good point. They had a new nature and they had a new rabbi. Most of these guys had a rabbi that wasn't Jesus. If I lived in, you guys ever seen Ushpazin? The guy goes to the rabbi and he's like, oh, man, you got to help me. My wife got these guests and he's freaking out. He's like, the rabbi says, you know, just make your wife happy, so on and so forth. Well, there comes this time when... when uh, his name escapes me. What's the guy's name? I want to say Tavia, but that's Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, Moshi Belonga. Moshi Belonga goes out and he's praying and he's praying. He, he prays by the merits of his rabbi and he's talking about that guy at the synagogue. Jews today still pray in the name of their rabbi. These guys prayed in the name of a new rabbi. And they wanted to be just like him. That new nature inside of us that br that brand new man wants to be just like him I, i've got a feeling and i know this happened to me i don't know if it happened to you guys or not but when i was a baby christian i remember looking at that and thinking should i be should i eat pork and stuff or what and it was beat out of me by the elders of the church we went to and they said they said that doesn't apply to us anymore it doesn't apply to us and it didn't make any sense to me because there he is over and over again saying the same things over and over again peter says be holy for i'm holy and you go back and look where he's quoting from and it's talking about the food laws it's talking about the marital laws and so on and so forth so i think that it's it's inherent because we are we become 
He's the firstborn among many brethren. As one of those brethren, I'm taking on his nature, right? Remember we talked about the, they walk, we're, 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 we're yoked with him. We're yoked with him, but we're also bowing down to the king. And the goal, man, back to cough. The goal, remember this is bit number two, is to, through our deeds, to look like him, to look more. We're not going to look exactly like him, but the goal is to look more like him. And the goal from that 20 is to multiply. He said, unless the grain falls to the ground and dies, it can't. It produces more after it dies, right? That kernel of corn, before you put it in the ground, is dead. Then you put that in the ground and you water it and you let God do his work on it. Next thing you know, you got three years of corn with 200 kernels on each, however many there are, right? Multiply it, right? And not one of them's going to look exactly like that first one. But they're going to look, they're still going to be corn, aren't they? What are we going to say? <laughs> this here? <laughs> this? That's just, this letter right here is bit. And that represents the sun. Cough represents the works of our hands. And as we're talking about our spiritual walk, as we obey the mitzvot and we walk, it makes us, it makes us resemble him more. And we're just a little, we're a little curvy and a little bent. I'm round. This right here would be my gut. <laughs> uh, oh, I, if it did, it'd be Bach or back. It imp- the, implica- the implication according to the book, according to the sages and so on, is that through our works, he says, Jesus said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds. By the way, mitzvot means, you know what mitzvot is, right? You guys remember what that word means? Bar mitzvah? Son of the commandments. Mitzvot is synonymous with good deeds. They will see your mitzvot. They will see your good deeds. So, do you see what that's saying? Good deeds all of a sudden doesn't mean what, what Joe Christian thinks it means. It doesn't mean, this is what I posted yesterday. It doesn't mean helping the old lady across the street, though that is a good deed. It's not what it means. If she wants to go. But, but the person who gave that commandment, the person who said that, being Jesus in first century Israel, when he said that, his audience knew that he was talking about obedience to the commandments. It would be silly for them to think anything else. That they may see your good deeds and say, man, that guy is awesome. How does it finish? Your Father in heaven. Why? Because he's the one that gave the commandment. Israel, when they go amongst their enemies in the desert, God says, they're going to see you walking out this Torah and they're going to know that you're a wise people because of it. Remember that? Who gets glorified? He gets glorified. He gave. If, if somebody sees my kids and they say, man, you're pretty well behaved. That's a reflection on his parents. Back to that grain deal. If the ear of corn starts popping off beans. Something is wrong. If my, if my being a little Messiah looks anything less than Messiah, it's not looking like a little Messiah. So if I call myself a Christian, remember he says, don't take his name in vain. We take the name of our king. We take the name of our, of our, of our master, right? And I was trying to think of, do you remember we talked about weeks ago? We talked about when a covenant, when a, somebody cut a covenant, they would take a part of the other guy's name. Okay, they would add a letter like Abraham, Abram, 
Avram became Avraham, right? He took the hay from Yod hay, Vav hay. He put one hay in Sarah. She became Sarah. Put the other hay in Abraham. He went from Avram to Abraham, okay? Our fruit should resemble his fruit. And what was his fruit? His fruit was obedience to the commandments. There's no other way around it. And I know that I know we're pounding that every week on and on and on. There, but to be a little Messiah means just that. If, if Noah James is going to claim to be a little Aaron, then he's not going to be drinking whiskey, is he? Or is, well, you know, in my own life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, if in my own life, though, think about, think about it as inhuman. If my own son, to resemble me, wouldn't eat a bacon sandwich, how much more should we not do that to resemble our Messiah, who's commanded us to walk just as he walked? 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, emulate me, Paul says, as I emulate him. Emulate, the word I believe is icon. It's a tiny, it's like an action figure, Right? If you see an action figure of Aaron, it's not going to have four arms. It's going to look like me. It's going to have two arms. Okay? The icon, the smaller version of the bigger version. So, let's go to our... <laughs> Are you guys with me still? Yeah. 1 Corinthians 11, one says, imitate me, or emulate, depending on which version you have, as I also imitate him, Messiah. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all the things and keep the traditions as I delivered them to you. What traditions do you suppose Paul, the rabbi, the Jewish rabbi, what traditions was he passing on to? Wait, wait for it. Gentiles. He's talking to Corinthians. He's talking to Gentiles. What traditions could Paul possibly be given him? His Torah. He, it's, how, it's how you obey the Torah. So go back to Psalm 119. Man, I, oh man, I love this stuff. I just love it. Once you start seeing that we're supposed to be doing this, and you come to terms with it, and you think, man, you know, it's, it's better that I... It's better that I be wrong amongst my peers and be right with him than to please my peers and know full well I'm going against what he wants me to. Man, may we never, ever fall for that. Yes, sir. They're so much like you. Yeah, and I've I've read that it was a it was might have even been a derogatory term. There's this guy, there they are acting just like that guy who stirred up all the trouble. And you remember how he stirred up trouble? By walking righteously, by obeying his father's commandments. He, I've I've heard that said. I don't know if that's true or not, but I can kind of see. You know, if you think about it, it's not too hard to think about it like that. He. There they are doing the same things he did. Don't they realize he was killed for that? You know? <laughs> yeah. He's a binge. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And because you're a binge, don't, don't eat bacon. Rest on Sabbath. Don't turn your ear from Torah. We'll do a study on the abominations one day soon. Because... God places, Rodney and I were talking about this before service. God places, Proverbs, I think it's 28.9, says that uh, the man who turns his ear from Torah, even his prayer, is an abomination to God. That word for abomination is the same abomination that's used for homosexuality, for having sex with an animal, for marrying your aunt. It's, it's the same word for eating swine's flesh. It, think about that. Uh, 28.9. It's the same word. They're all abominations. What was an abomination is still an abomination. 
So turning our ear from Torah. Anyway, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked. Uh, Psalm 119, Lamed. Verse 89, Forever, O Lord, Your Word is settled in heaven. Do we believe that today? <laughs> Forever, O Lord, Your Word is settled in heaven. If we believe that today, we need to act like it. Yeah, we need to act like it. Your faithfulness endures to all the generations. You established the earth and it abides. He made it and it's still here. They continue this day according to your ordinances. Right? He's talking about um, heaven and earth. Continue this day. Your word, the earth that you made, it continues to this day according to your ordinances. For all are your servants. Unless your law had been my delight. Check this out. Unless your Torah... Unless your law had been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. You hear what he's saying there? He's saying, if it hadn't have been, I would have perished in my affliction. If your Torah had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. That means if we don't delight in His... Again, don't think of it as law. You know, I think if Jesus was to walk into churches today, He would say, it's instruction, you guys. Instruction. Sure, there's laws in there, but it's instruction. It means instruction. Torah means instruction. The root word of Torah, yara, do you remember this? Is an archery term. And it means that which is aimed for. That was, was intended to be hit instruction our goal is his it's to listen to his instruction obey his instruction when you talk to mainstream christians when when i talk to my i've got a lot of mainstream christian friends none of them want to be outside of his instruction nobody wants that everybody wants to be in god's instruction until you say that that's the word torah (laughs) and then then we instead of taking his definition we take on our own definition of it again means law. We're no longer in the law. means law. means instruction. God walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the morning is not law. But it's walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the morning. There's no law in that. There's instruction. Why, why on earth, if my son, back to my son, you know these Kovacomer arguments. If my son is expected to obey rules that I have, in a loving household, how much more so would our Father in Heaven have rules because He loves us? It makes perfect sense. So you don't... Because we're not of this world, we need to know how to live in this world. His instruction teaches us how to live. I've been here longer than Noah. I can teach that kid how to live in this world. What to look out for. What to do, what not to do. He, how much more so the one who created it all? Makes sense? Yara. It means uh, bullseye. You know how sin means missing the mark? Yara is the mark. That's the mark. Question. Here's a question for us all. Why is it that every church in town knows what sin means and that it means missing the mark, but not one of them will tell you that the mark is Torah? Think about it. Okay, go to, go to back to verse 93. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. By them, his precepts and his word, you have given me life. Is that true today? Yes. It's his word. Without his word, we would not know of our Messiah. Without his word, we wouldn't know of the salvation that he's offered on that cross, right? It holds true today. I am yours. Save me. I am yours. Save me. Because I have sought your precepts. And what he's saying there is, listen, I'm yours. Save me. Because I'm, remember a couple weeks ago when we were reading these, 
Look at the wicked around me don't care about your Torah. Here I'm doing it. Save me. Help me. I'm the one trying to do it. The wicked wait for me to destroy me, but me, I'll consider your testimonies. I have seen the consummation of all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad, which is a strange verse. Listen to this commentary on that. Because I've read that about six times and could not, I couldn't make heads or tails of what he's saying there. Anybody have a, want to take a stab at what that means? The very last verse. I have seen the consummations. Anybody have a different version? Or? The limits are all perfection, but your mitzvah has no bounds. <laughs> yeah, listen to this. That's a better translation than this. Yeah, anybody have a different one? Listen to this. I have seen, that is, I have seen that all human wisdom or knowledge, however extensive, however noble, and however excellent, it has bounds and limits. But your Torah, the, the transcript of your own mind, is infinite and extends into eternity. Isn't that a great definition of that? Your law, your word, your instruction. And of course it does. It's, it's God, it's the king of the universe's instruction. Um, it knows no bounds. Um, that sounds kind of like Solomon there, doesn't it? I have seen, he's tested all things. I've, I've tried it all. He said, here's the end of the matter. <laughs> I just. <laughs> what is it? That's the last. That's the very last part of of uh, of uh, Ecclesiastes. Listen to what listen to what Solomon says is the the purpose of life. Let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. You remember what the whole matter is? The whole matter is he's looking around and saying. It's all futile. I can, you can seek after money and it's going to let you down. You can seek after long life, longevity. Guess what? You're going to die. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. He says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of the Jews. It's the whole duty of those in the Old Testament. It's the duty of all those in predispensational before the cross. Ecclesiastes, the last chapter, verse 13 through 14. It's chapter 12, 13. What's he saying? <laughs> this is the whole duty of everybody that's not under grace. For all mankind. This is the duty for all of mankind. You know what the dispensationists will say to you? The, that changed at the cross. That it's no longer the duty of mankind. Which means that that's a lie. You can't trust that verse. If that, if that line of thinking is taken to its ends, you can't trust that verse. Because it changed at the cross. And that's not true. Here's the duty that for all of mankind. We fear God and keep His commandments. Do you remember what the beginning of wisdom is? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I, I, I'm thinking about writing an essay on the logical arguments for obedience to Torah as a believer. Because if you follow the logic through on a lot of mainstream thinking, that, that 119 Ministries, they do a thing that says uh, unanswerable questions. And they're doing the same sort of thing. If we believe this, if we believe that that changed at the cross, then... Why does it say that the Passover is, is a festival that's forever? Why does it say that? The Sabbath was set apart forever? Yeah. Chuck Misler says that Matthew 5 is proof that Jesus himself was a dispensationalist. You know why? Because he said he didn't come to do away with those things, and he clearly did. That's what he says. That's his answer for it. Making him a dispensationalist. That is not, man, that's not true. Let's finish the verse. 
for God will bring every work into judgment. Does that, does that agree with the New Testament? It says that our... Remember, salvation is free, but our reward, we talked about last week, is directly related to our works, our mitzvot, our good deeds. How do we know that? Where's the verse for that? Where's the Bible for that? There's one that says every idle word will be judged. Where does it say... Ooh, man, that's a good one. That's one of the places. Here, precept upon precept says that the, those things that are the worthless things will be destroyed by fire. The gold and, and that which remains, right? He says, uh, there it is. Okay, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to repay each man according to his deeds. That's Jesus talking, guys. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to repay each man according to his works. It's in Revelation. It's in the very last chapter of Revelation. Chapter 22, verse 12. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who, listen to this, because Jesus would probably get kicked out of church for saying this today. It's Jesus talking, guys. So who is His? When Jesus says, blessed are those who do His commandments, who on earth is He talking about? He's talking about the Father. You see how blatantly simple that is, what He's saying there? Let's start... We'll start at the beginning of verse 12 again. Read this with me and get a grip on what Jesus is saying. And behold, I, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Remember cough, the work of his hands? I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments. That goes back to black letters there, doesn't it? Who, huh? In what verse? Isn't that interesting? Mine says, Blessed are those who do His commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. They're the same thing. We're sanctified by walking righteously. We're set apart from the world and in 2014 by other believers even by obedience to the Father's commandments. Right? But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus. Do you notice that it goes from red to black to red there? Anybody else, anybody else notice that? Yours is all red? Mine has red to black to red. And you know why it has red to black to red? No, because if it's red to black to red, that means that it's John talking about Jesus' commandments. But if it's red, it's Jesus talking about the Father's commandments. That's why your guys says something different there. Wash his robes. Because if you read it for what it says, it's Jesus saying we're to obey his commandments, the Father's commandments. Read that all as though it's the same... Go back to verse 13. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last... Blessed are those who do His commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral murderers, adulterers, and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify of you these things. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star, and the spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come, and let him who thirsts come, and whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. That is extremely interesting. The black is John, and the red is Jesus. There's, 
that's I think that's another one of those things that's it's it's I don't know if it's put there as much to mislead somebody as it is to qualify their opinion on something like the same version that I have says that it puts that moral ceremonial and and uh, civil law thing in there they have to put that in there they, they have to put that in there Leviticus 19 because Leviticus 19 says obey the Sabbaths comma and honor your parents when he says that he makes no differentiation between civil ceremonial or moral Right? We would say, obeying your parents, that's a moral law. Where obeying the Sabbath is a, is a civil law or a ceremonial. Well, he puts them in the same sentence and says to do both of them. You see what I'm saying? So, anyway, our goal is to become like him. So, as we look at Lamed, next week we're going to look at Mim. Mim shows up on the... Uh, is Mim on the dreidel, or is that Noon? It's Noon on there. We've only got two letters left as we're going through our spiritual walk here. So, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, at the heart of the alphabet, or Aleph-Bet, overlooking all of it. Um, and then, remember the Bet, Lamed, the Lamed, Bet, Lev, the heart, the beginning, the first and last letters of Torah. Okay, anybody have any questions, comments? No? Isn't that an awesome letter? It's easy. I was going to say earlier, it's, it's a, huh? Next week, Next week is Mem. The numerical value of 40, <laughs> if you can remember. That Lamed, if you're looking at Hebrew text, that's usually how I can tell if it's right side up or upside down, that and the sheen, because the sheen looks like a W kind of. You'll see that weird looking W almost. And then the Lamed looks like that. That's how you can, if, you're, if you glance at it, that's a good way of telling if it's a right side up or upside down. <laughs> that's interesting. Those are, that's the most recognizable letters in the Hebrew alphabet too. To me, the Lamed and the Sheen, and they're both representative of God and Aleph. All right, let's pray. Father God, we love you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the King of Kings, our Melech HaMelechim, who uh, died, Lord, for our sins. Father, we thank you that it is a free gift. Lord, we ask that you give us the courage and the wherewithal. Lord, the, uh, the wisdom to stand up, like Solomon said, though we fall seven times, to stand up each time, um, to continue to look more and more like a little Messiah. Lord, I pray that each one of us gets accused of that, of being a little Messiah. Um, not just in name, but in deed, like you require of us in Revelation, Lord. So we love you today. We ask that you'd help us to start today if we haven't started, to go further today if we've slowed down, and to stand up if we've fallen. Lord, so we love you and we pray all these things in the name of our salvation, Yeshua. Amen.